Hey now, we are getting over and I am Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. That it, with the latest WWE edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, Getting Over is back once again, and we and WWE are very firmly on the road to WrestleMania 38, just about six weeks away from one of the biggest wrestling shows of the entire year. And yes, Getting Over will be here the entire way to cover it. We're talking interviews with WWE superstars, uh, you know, predictions in terms of how the WrestleMania 38 match card is going to play out, news and notes, and of course, reviews of SmackDown Raw and all the storylines and booking in between. That's right. Silver King, Vintage, Chris Vanini, here to do just that. That all starts today. As I remind you, as I do the same off the top of every single episode of the Getting Over a Wrestling Podcast, that this show and every episode of this show So please, what are you waiting for? Stop being marks for yourselves and go back to being a mark for me. Go back to being marks for getting over. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating for us on Apple. Also leave a review. Let people know how much you love the show. Tell them why this is the perfect time to subscribe to Getting Over during the hottest time of the year. So hot, in fact that our WWE Royal Rumble instant analysis episode has crept up and is now the number six show all time in program history and Elimination Chamber, the instant analysis from that, I don't think it's gonna reach the top 10, but it's on the way. So maybe it cracks it uh, as we go forward. Also, I would be remiss if I did not remind you to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Not only do we send a tweet every time there's a new show uh, for you to download, listen to, but we of course tweet live during all the major programs on television and provide you as much fun wrestling content as we can throughout the week without overloading your feed. I, you know, it's one thing for the people that tweet all the time, send, you know, 20 tweets a day. We don't do that. We pick and choose our spots. We're a really good follow. You can do that on Twitter at getting overcast. Chris, uh, look, coming out of Elimination Chamber, I don't think you and I were that enthused about how this road to WrestleMania 38 is going. And I, I have to be honest, Coming out of Raw, I don't know that I feel that much better. But that said, the television that we got, the remainder of SmackDown we've not already talked about, there were two matches from that show, and the entirety of Raw on Monday night, I enjoyed those shows. There was very, there were very few things across SmackDown and Raw that I actively disliked, which I think when you're getting into WrestleMania season, even though... Only four matches are booked for the card right now. If the television you're getting is good, that usually will show you that they've got their ducks in a row and they're heading towards this ultimate goal, which is building a two-night WrestleMania card, the most stupendous card apparently in WWE history. Horrible tagline. No idea why they're using that. It, it, it raises the floor. WrestleMania season, because every match that's going to be on the card has to matter in some form, unless it's a battle royal. So I, I think that's what we saw on Raw and SmackDown is some of the non Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns stuff kind of getting into form a little bit. Uh, so some things to look forward to. That was the real focus of the show because we got Brock Lesnar to open uh, Raw and that was it. So the, 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 we said this after the instant analysis that they have, what, six weeks now that they're going to have to build everything else 
and we'll see if they put the time and effort into it. And I, I think they're starting to. It, it was a fine episode of Raw. There was nothing I think that was horribly terrible about it. Maybe a couple small things. But overall, it was another solid show. But when you don't have those main events, when you only have Brock Lesnar in your opening segment, it limits the ceiling as well. Well, that that's notable. And I do actually have that uh, something like that to say later when we do get into our main event segment, which is. It was so noticeable on Monday night. The most noticeable thing on that show is that Raw had no main event division. Brock Lesnar was on at the opening. He was confronted by a guy in Paul Heyman from SmackDown. No other Raw face made an appearance. Bobby Lashley was not there because he's in concussion protocol in real life. I think he's in Birmingham, Alabama, getting checked out by Dr. James Andrews for a shoulder injury. Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens, two main eventers. They were in the main event of the show in a tag team match, going for the tag team championship. AJ Styles was not on the show. Edge did have an in-ring promo that we'll talk about, but it didn't have a confrontation. It didn't have a response. And the United States Championship, which is certainly not the main event, was calling out that the champion was calling out looking for a main eventer, a former world champion, to come challenge him. And they found one, and it was probably the one person who's been treated the least like a main eventer, even though he is a main eventer, on Raw. And we haven't seen the guy in a month. So all I kept thinking about it throughout the entire show. Where is everybody? And mm-hmm. I mean, there's not, not, not so much where is everybody, but what is everyone doing? Why is there nothing taking up the air on Raw that needs to be taken up by a strong men's single scene? The best part of the Raw roster right now is the main event and upper mid card for men's singles. It's it's extremely strong. It's, you could argue, twice as strong as it was a year ago at this time. And yet, your champion has nothing to do with your show. He's fully committed to challenging, challenging the guy on the other show, who, by the way, doesn't come to your show. So like, okay, maybe on the road at some point, Reigns will appear on Raw. But you ever notice that it's always Brock going there and never Reigns coming to Raw? It's pretty obvious to me. So... You don't get the injection of Roman Reigns. You're going to have weeks where Brock's not there at all, most likely where he's only on SmackDown. And you look at everyone else and you say, okay, yeah, they'll they'll make a match with Edge. That'll be something. But what else is there? Are they going to do a number one contendership? Is there going to be anything for us to sink our teeth into with all of this substantial talent on the Raw side? It would be quite a different thing, Chris, if it worked the opposite way, because we know. SmackDown does not have a strong men's singles division right now. It's In fact, right. it's extremely weak. So yes. if it was Roman Reigns coming over to Raw every week, you can get through a two-hour SmackDown without a strong men's singles division. You can build it up around the Intercontinental Championship. But for Raw, there's so much time and there's so many talented people that it feels like there's a, a gaping hole right in the middle of the program for a main event program that we're not going to get. This is the problem when Brock is your champion, for one, because he's probably not going to be there every week. He was this week, but I I don't know if we'll get him for every Raw or not. But either way, we're not getting any action with him, and we know that. And this is the problem when you have a brand versus brand match for your main event of the show. So you're you're doubly kind of taking out the, the, the juice, what's supposed to be the biggest thing, is going to not get that much play on television over the next six weeks. They're, 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 they'll do a promo to open the show. We're not going to see Brock wrestle 
uh, you know, uh, or I guess Brock has the uh, that Madison Square Garden thing that we'll talk referenced. About I don't. We'll get yeah. into it, but for 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 raw purposes, he's not going to be in action for six weeks. We may see him. We may not. Roman may come. May not. But yeah, it, it's just it's a weird thing to do on the road to WrestleMania when you're supposed to get the most excitement. When you when you want to get the most viewers in, you're going to be limiting the biggest star power appearances just because of the nature of the booking that that that's been that's been i think the biggest one of the biggest problems with this whole roman brock thing so and, and we got to give credit to lesnar too because in, in prior circumstances where he'd come in for a program we'd see him once every four weeks and then we'd see him at a pay-per-view and some pay-per-views he wouldn't even attend even when he was champion mm-hmm. we're seeing brock every week and there's many times well, we're seeing brock twice a week or on pay-per-view weeks maybe even three times a week so I do give him credit individually for being willing to work the schedule that takes away one of the heaviest criticisms I've always had about Brock Lesnar in WWE, which is when he is champion, you never see him. We're seeing him and we have seen him as champion over this run since he's come back and started challenging Roman Reigns. So I do want to give him a little bit of credit and WWE credit for probably working that into the contract. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, we, Vince McMahon probably deserves a bit of that credit. Yeah, he's being paid for it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so, yeah. So anyway, so, okay. So look, yeah, we, it's, we it's, have... It's a weird spot. It's a weird spot. We have a really unique show today because there wasn't really a main event segment for us to talk about. So what we're going to do is our main event today, it's going to encompass the two major title matches coming out of Raw, which is, of course, Brock Lesnar in the title versus title match, and then Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair, we're also going to touch on two really big news stories in the world of WWE. And we're going to get to all of that right now as we slide into the main event. So we have been putting off this conversation for a week, and the story is about someone who may end up not only being at WrestleMania, which I think is something that we've all assumed, but may actually wrestle at WrestleMania, which is something most of us probably thought would never happen again. Now, this is a bit of a spoiler. If you're already this deep into the show, I mean, unfortunately, you've probably seen it in the title of the podcast episode. Um, But the the truth is, so many people are talking about it. Every wrestling news outlet is discussing it. It's been tweeted about hundreds, maybe thousands of times, definitely thousands of times at this point that I don't think we'd be doing our job if we tried to keep this secret for the next six weeks. I just think that we need to discuss it on this podcast just as we would with anything else. If I I don't know how few people it would be that would get to WrestleMania weekend and not know that this is something that may possibly happen, right? Especially because it would probably develop on television. So what I'm talking about, and I gave you guys fair warning if you wanted to try and fast forward, but what I'm talking about is multiple reports coming out last week that none other than Stone Cold Steve Austin may return to the ring following a 20-year hiatus at WrestleMania 38 just outside of Dallas, Texas in Arlington. And obviously, Chris, that's a massive story. And for us to even sit on it for a week was pretty difficult because it's something I really want to talk about. But the truth is that we don't know much at this time. I think What is most obvious to anyone who's been watching Raw and listening to the show is it's been pretty odd how all of a sudden on a dime, Kevin Owens on television has started insulting Texas, saying what a shitty state it is, how he hates that WrestleMania is there, so on and so forth. And 
I don't know why else they would have him go to those lengths of making all of those comments if he wasn't the one potentially slotted to fight or face Steve Austin at WrestleMania. So the question is twofold. It is number one, are they actually going to have Austin in a match? Like, like it's, it's planned. He shows up on Raw in a couple of weeks. You know, they make a challenge. It's promoted. It's on the card. And it's Steve Austin making his return uh, from his retirement, which wasn't really retirement retirement because he never had a retirement match, even though he had a final match against Kevin Owens. Or is it potentially a scenario where Owens just continues this every week going into WrestleMania, insulting Texas, insulting Texas. And it's similar to the John Cena Elias confrontation or the Rock um, Wyatt Eric Rowan confrontation where yeah. like Rock comes in, they ring the belly, Rock bottoms Eric Rowan, pins him one, two, three. And, and he has a match technically, but it's not really a match. It's just Austin coming in and hitting a stunner on Owens and moving on from there. So I, I don't think it was would be a surprise to anyone if Austin showed up at WrestleMania. I've been expecting Steve Austin to be at WrestleMania 38 in some capacity, at, at a minimum as the show opener or as someone who does a in-ring segment in the middle of the show to kind of break the ice or, um, you know, pr- pr- provide a little bit of a break, you know, yeah. from one segment to another, whatever the case might be. But these reports are that WWE has been in talks with him since December, January about actually wrestling. So the questions, Chris, are, do you actually want to see that, number one? And number two, if you do, what format do you think it's going to take? Do I want to see it? Of course. I am, I'm a child of the Attitude Era. I'm going to this WrestleMania. The opportunity to see Stone Cold in some sort of match is literally a childhood dream come true. I got that. Have you never uh, seen him wrestle? No, I, I, I had never gone to a show until 2013 or 2014. I went to the, the Raw where Mark Henry fake retired. That was the first show I ever went to. Oh, my, Salmon my, Jacket. My, Amazing. My, my, yeah, my my uh, my parents just never took me. We watched it. We got the pay-per-views. We, just, we never went down to Joe Louis Arena to, to see it. Um, gotcha. So, yeah, it'd be, a, it'd be a dream come true, just like watching Kurt Angle and Triple H wrestle was when I went to WrestleMania 36. But... I just I can't see this being anything more than than what the rock thing was. I, right. I can't imagine Stone Cold Steve Austin can do a match. I, I have to. I, I know what the reports are. I've tried to ignore them. I've tried to kayfabe it and, and pretend I don't know what's going on. But I can't see anything more than he gives him a stunner, maybe a couple stomps, drinks some beers. The crowd goes wild. I mean, I, mean, I think I, he, I could do, he, he could do the he could stomp a mud hole in the corner. He could do the. I don't know what you call it, the, the Fez Press. He can do the Fez Luke Press. Luke Fez Press, yeah. Um, so I, I think there's some stuff he could do. He could take some punishment. Obviously, selling is not very difficult. I, I think he could wrestle a five-minute, six-minute match with Kevin Owens. I don't think it would be that difficult. Maybe. I mean, we, we saw, we've seen it plenty of times from Goldberg, and Austin may or may not have a larger move set, but he has an easier move set. You know, just he also hasn't to touched the ring in 20 years, so he has no punishment on his body. Well, I, so I, I I had heard someone say, was was he involved in Tough Enough, the last the last go around of Tough Enough when he maybe took some bumps or something like that? I didn't see it. 
But some people have mentioned it a few years back. He, I think he got in the ring and showed them how to bump yeah. or something like that. But that's different. He's not wrestling. No, match. I know. But, but no. I, like, I, I don't know what kind of shape he's in. We, we, we saw the last ride. We saw kind of the timeline and the work it took for Undertaker to get prepared to do these kinds of things. I mean, Austin, even 20 years ago, was wrestling with bad knees and bad neck issues. So I, I don't know if that's got progressively worse or maybe he can wrestle the same style because so, that's what he So let me, clar- let me clarify. Let yeah. me clarify and answer, and answer that question. So he is cleared. He, he is cleared to wrestle. And he's been cleared okay. for a long time. He just hasn't done it. Now, why he hasn't done it? You know, probably a combination of some, you know, there's probably been nothing that makes sense. Um, maybe WWE wouldn't pay him enough previously. Uh, he didn't want to. You know, very simply, he just didn't want to do it. I think this is a very special and unique situation that would call for him to potentially do this. But Austin's been cleared. He said, I think I recently heard him say he's the healthiest he's been in the last 20 years. And it seems like the capability is fully there. The question is, though, what if it does happen, what form does it take? I believe they're not like... I cannot imagine Steve Austin showing up two weeks before WrestleMania, that glass breaking on Raw, him coming down, stunning Kevin Owens, I'll see you at Mania. Like, I'd be so excited. It's, yeah. it's, it's too good. It's, I'm mm-hmm. not allowed to have that level of happiness watching WWE television <laughs> anymore. So, like, I just cannot believe that it's actually going to happen that he does that. I think what's far more likely is that Owens continues this all the way to Mania. Um, he's in the ring talking shit about Texas. They give him a moment. The, you know, the music hits, Austin comes down, let's fight. They ring the bell. They get 45 seconds of action. Austin stuns and pins him, drinks a bunch of beer in the ring and they move on. And that's That's the segue into the main event. So they can clean up the ring. They are the video packages. They do all that type of stuff. I would be excited if they do that. Um, yeah. I, I know Austin's going to be at that show one way or another. I, I have no doubt about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But if they he was actually... In the, he was in the commercial for it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The first commercial for it. But if they actually book a match for it, I'm going to be floored and over the moon happy. Yes, it's another part-time legend. Steve Austin in Texas is... I mean, if there's ever an exception to the rule, it's Steve Austin in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. Guy who came up wrestling in world-class championship. He played football at University of North Texas nearby. Um, yeah, that, you know, he's from Victoria, Texas, but so much of his history is in that, that place. And in, in, I remember WrestleMania 32, he came out and stunned, uh, the new day was it, or no, it was, uh, the, 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 the league of nations. Is that what it was? He, I think he stunned both of them. It was him. It was Shawn Michaels, I don't Mankind. Remember. I don't even remember. And all, yeah, it was Shawn Michaels, Austin and Mick Foley came out. They did all their finishers to the league of nations, the, the Seamus Wade Barrett Rusev group. And then I think they stunned Xavier too. Uh, but th- that that's kind of what I pictured this time around. But maybe maybe he wants to do more. Now, here, here's a question. Is there any chance, if we get something out of Austin, say they announce beforehand that it's a match. It may not be a long okay. match, but we know we're getting a match. Does Austin come out in the trunks? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You, you think yes. so? I, 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 or, or do you think it's jeans and a T-shirt? Oh, like, oh, he could wear jeans. Oh, man. I think he comes out in the, in the trunks. Do, do, does he have, so he has the vest on with, with no shirt underneath? I mean, we've even yes. seen him shirtless in yes. forever. Yes, I think, yes. I think he's still in shape. 
He comes out full black trunks, the double knee braces, uh, the vest with the, the skull on it, Austin 316. I think we get the full Monty. Yeah. I'd love it. I mean, I, I, I would love it. And, and you mentioned, so I, I had, again, I've stayed away from these reports, but you said that reportedly WWE had been in conversations with Austin around December. You said that was, yeah. Mm-hmm. so Kevin Owens re-signed in December. I'm curious and we don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering if this was part of that conversation at all, that, that, that at the upcoming mania, they, that, if they could get Steve Austin, he would get Steve Austin. Uh, I think it's more coincidental. I don't think you're. I don't think. Like, I don't think tie, it's the. Re- I don't like, think he I'm would tie saying, himself to WWE for three to five years. I'm not. You're right. I'm, I'm not saying it's time. the. Re- I'm not saying it's yeah. the reason, but I'm wondering if you know because he's been doing the stunner for a while. Obviously, and, and and if if they pitched that to him as maybe one thing on top of of many others. I don't know. Yeah, I just think that's coincidental. If anything, and and, and the way the reports came is that they started talking to him then, but that nothing was agreed upon. So sure, you know. You know, there's no report now. I want to clarify this, you know, because we're not the ones initiating the reports. There is no report saying Steve Austin will wrestle a match at WrestleMania. Uh, the reports that are out there is are that he will be at WrestleMania, which we already knew and could have assumed, and that there have been talks about him wrestling a match. When you piece that together with what Owens is doing on television and the fact that, of course, they both do stunners, it makes it pretty obvious that if he was going to have a match, KO would be the opponent. And if they aren't having a match, then why would KO be doing this at all? You know Correct. what I mean? Like you, you got to put two and two together here. Yeah, I, I, it can't be anybody else. It, I, I don't, the Undertaker, I know the Undertaker is doing the Hall of Fame, but the Undertaker is not going to stand up to Kevin Owens in the name Texas. of Texas. Yeah, right, like yeah. he's a tech, he's a big Texas football guy. He's, I think he's from Houston, I think, or something like that. But uh but when you when you think of Texas in WWE, you think of Texas Rattlesnake. You do. And you think of Shawn Michaels also. So that is potentially another issue, a super kick, you know, a situation like that. The hat flies off. You see the bald head again. And, you know, that depresses me every time I see him without hair. It's just so annoying. It's it's so well, sad. I, yeah, Shawn Michaels with that flowing mane that he used to, yeah. you know, puff up behind him is now bald wearing a uh, cowboy hat. Um but yeah, okay. So I think HBK would be the only option. And maybe maybe that's a fallback situation. But again, Austin's going to be at Mania anyway. So it's really just a matter of can they or have they already convinced him to actually right. do a match? Which would right. be We've seen, we, cool. th- Yeah. This isn't like Hulk Hogan, he can never do a leg drop again <laughs> or, or his back will break. It's, he, he did, again, he did a stunner a couple of years back at the last Dallas Al- WrestleMania. He's reportedly been cleared so he stunned byron uh, saxton during uh the empty oh, raw right. the first raw yeah the very first empty raw that's a good yeah he did that too so, so. i mean he he can get physical there's no he's not it's not like he's in a wheelchair or anything like that actually let's just look, a matter of look. are they going to make the deal and are they actually going to book it um, let me pull up my calendar real quick i want to see what day 316 is this year what day of the week oh it's a wednesday so it won't oh if he if the 316 day was on a monday good or off yeah or? that'd be a good time to like bring him back and make the announcement but Guess not. That would be cool. But you did mention The Undertaker, and that's the other part of this newsworthy part of the main event that I wanted to go over. Undertaker is going to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame for WrestleMania 38 weekend. The Hall of Fame ceremony, get this, it mostly because of scheduling problems and arena availability in Texas, is going to be held Friday night at 10 p.m. Eastern, immediately after SmackDown goes off the air. I believe they're going to stream it live on Peacock, 
and WWE Network internationally. Um, they've been airing a four-plus-minute video package for Taker across, I believe they did it on SmackDown, at Elimination Chamber. They did it on Raw. It is WrestleMania week in Texas. Uh, the last time they'll be there, presumably for, you know, at least five years or so. They're trying to move it around a little bit. And it is being taped, as I just said, after SmackDown, which means you're not going to have a four-hour show, like sometimes they do, for the Hall of Fame, when it's immediately after a go-home TV show to your biggest event of the year. That leads me to this question, Chris. Should The Undertaker be inducted as a one-man class of 2022? Ooh, that's a good question. So last year, they, they inducted two at the same time, right? Because they didn't Correct. really get to do it in 2020. And it sucked. And Let's make it clear, in, by the way. And Kane, and Kane was the headliner, right? He was inducted. I, I believe he was the he last was the, I think he was last. I think he was the last headliner. I think he was so, last. You know, I, I've been thinking because, you know, they used to start the Hall of Fame announcements around like December and January and really like build it up. I mean, we only have six weeks here, so I, I think it's possible. But I, I think if that was the case, they would have maybe said it by now. I, I, I'm, I don't know what if, if they're waiting to say he'll be the only one. I feel like that would have been a good, hey, the Undertaker's going in and he is the only member of this class. Like, I think that would have made sense if you announced it all at once, but they haven't. So I, I don't know. They always try to get some celebrities in there. I think they might be running well, out of. I want to clarify my question. My, my question for you is not if he will be the only one. It's if he should be. Should the he? One. Okay. I, yeah, that, that's, that's a better question. I say no, just because I has anybody else been a one-time only? Was Andre no. the first and only in his class or no? No, no, no one before. Yeah, so if it's never been done before, I would say no. And this kind of ties into baseball. I think it was, was it Mariano Rivera was the first unanimous? Correct, 100%. first and only, I think, for Major League Baseball. Yeah, that kind of fits for him, but I, you know, I, but like Babe Ruth wasn't 100% his first time. And that that's, it's just, it's weird. So I would say no, because nobody else has been. Yeah, so I, I disagree with that. I actually think, given the circumstances of this, the fact that they had to do two classes last year, and by the way, they are running out of people to induct into the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying that yes. they have no one left. <laughs> I'm not saying they have no one left, but there's been some reaches as of late, especially to fill out the bottom portion of the class. If I was WWE, given the circumstances here, I would look at this as a very unique one-time-only deal. The Undertaker, you have to remember, he is that guy in WWE. No, he's not Hulk Hogan. He's not Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Rock or John Cena even from the perspective of being the number one draw at any given time. But he's also had the longest in-ring career in WWE history. He had the WrestleMania record. And he has so many different versions of his character over all of the years that it would be so easy for them to put together a 90-minute induction ceremony with three or four different people speaking, and then The Undertaker, you know he loves to talk, giving a significantly long speech at the end of it. That, to me, is an entire Hall of Fame show. What else are you going to add that's going to make it better? My answer is nothing. Anything you add is going to take it away. If they add the the legends sometimes they do who you know are long past but they deserve induction and they they do it post post I love that they do that by the way yeah postonymously um they posthumously yeah 
posthumously was what I was trying to say. Yes, obviously. <laughs> very flubbed that one very badly. Um, that, that doesn't add anything. It just names that they're going to read. Sure, it would be nice to add a female inductee as well. And maybe they have someone of the stature, not of the stature of Undertaker, but of the stature where they wouldn't be overshadowed completely by the Undertaker. But I can't off the top of my head think who that would be. And then you think about all the kind of the secondary characters who somewhat get in and no, no offense to him, but like a Rikishi, right? It's like, well, okay, yeah, you're, you know, if you want to, if, if WWE wants to make you a Hall of Famer, that's fine, but you're not the, the first ballot entrant, you know, that The Undertaker is. So I look at the list and I think, you know, not, not, not the list, the potential list. And I say, he doesn't have any contemporaries. Anyone that is added to the show is going to get completely overshadowed. And they're taping it immediately after SmackDown. So how late is this show going to go in the first place? Well, and I look at it and I was, say, your question, your question was should though. That doesn't really I'm, make I'm telling you, but I'm giving you both reasons. I'm telling you okay, why they okay. should. Uh, and, and I look at all of that and I say that there's really no reason for WWE to add anyone else to this class. And then I look at, again, the time allotment, the, the amount of, you know, time they're going to have people in that arena. The fact that the next day, uh, they're do, I think they're, they're going to do NXT stand and deliver Saturday afternoon before they do WrestleMania Saturday night. And then you have the night two of WrestleMania on Sunday. And I'm like, they're not going to keep people in that arena for three hours to do an entire Hall of Fame yeah. ceremony. So not only do, do I think they should make him the only inductee, I think there's a really good chance they do make him the only inductee. I think all, all your points are, are correct. And I, I, he certainly deserves it. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue that he doesn't, that he, I wouldn't argue strongly that he shouldn't or doesn't, but I also kind of feel a little undertakered out. Like we got his, we got his retirement last uh, late 2020. We got the whole big retirement thing. We got the last ride. We, we've just, we've done so much Undertaker celebrating. The idea of sitting through another ninety minutes of Undertaker uh, remembrance of his career—I'm uh, not super into that. But I agree that they could do it. I, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I'm surprised that I'm surprised that uh, they wouldn't have come out and said from the get-go that he's the one and only this year. But we'll see. It, all I'm saying—I mean, six weeks left, you know, and, and counting, ticking down. So five plus weeks left. There's usually three or four people already announced by now. Right. So either he's the only one or maybe they do a two or three person class and it's just upper echelon people and The Undertaker is clearly the headliner. Either way, I don't think we're getting a full class. I don't think we're getting the five or six people that we normally do. Probably not. I, I, I know that the people who run China's Twitter account have been making a push to try to get China in as a solo. I mean, she should um, certainly was- be in there. Yeah. She certainly was. I was. I was so happy when she got in with was DX. I think a few weeks back, it was. It was it sucked so much that it went so long without her being in it. Um, she absolutely deserves a, a singles uh, honoree. And, and, and again, maybe they maybe they do it. Maybe they don't. The, the China people are pushing it, so obviously it's not happening. And again, we only have six weeks. So she is someone. She is someone who would who would be fitting of a two or three person induction class. I will. Yes, say. completely agree. So. I, I don't know. I, I'm really not sure what they're going to do, but I, I think should he or could he? I, I, I think he's deserving of it. I just personally don't like it just based on precedent, but I'm a stickler for stuff like that. What if the what if they make a precedent, though, where their classes are now smaller going forward? They could use this Probably to set precedent. 
Yeah, I think yes. I think that's the move. Yes, because it, the whole the smaller the, class for sure. Well, I'm saying even if even if you say Taker is a solo class this year, and then next year they start doing three or four person classes, and that's what they start doing going forward. Um, to me, that precedent is a good one because the Hall of Fame is one of those, especially for WWE. All of them are too long. Every sport, yes. but for WWE yes. in particular, it goes on and on. It's so long; it's terrible to attend. Um, and then to watch some of them, it's just like, man, like I fast forward through them candidly. I just, I can't sit yeah, and watch. I, I don't typically watch all of them. No. Either. But so, it, hey, it, we'll it, doing it after SmackDown makes sense. I'm curious if this means we get a takeover on Thursday. I don't think they've announced. No, I, yet, uh, they're going to do it. I, I, just, I explained that a second ago. They're going to do it uh, Saturday ahead of WrestleMania. They're going to do it in the afternoon. Oh, I missed that. Oh, is that going to that, be? That's the report be... as of right now. Oh, okay. Did, does it, did it say where? No. Okay, it's interesting because like being around here, I'm starting to see all the other shows pop up, you know, Wale Mania, the the, the EC3 thing going on, like everything's starting to pop up around here now. So I'm curious. Uh, what yeah, else it's going to be go NXT stand and deliver. And I believe the plan right now is to do it Saturday, either at like 12 or two or something like that. Hmm. Interesting. So yeah, I do find that really curious. And it's a lot of wrestling in a very short period of time. So uh, it's going to be a wild week for us. Uh, I can tell you that for sure. Let's get to the actual in-ring main events, things that happened this week in WWE television. We're going to do a two-part main event here. Then we're going to get to the good, the bad, and the ugly, where we talk about everything else. We'll start with Brock Lesnar. Like you noted, he opened Raw. He got a pretty big ovation. He jumped right on top of the announce table to celebrate winning the WWE title. Fans chanted Suplex City, and Lesnar was just getting started to talk when Paul Heyman came out. Paul Heyman said, Lesnar must defend the WWE title before WrestleMania. He's going to do it at Madison Square Garden on March 5th, which Heyman said he would would have made sure did not happen if they had still been together, if uh, he was still his advocate. Heyman said Bobby Lashley would be Lesnar's challenger unless he was not cleared for the match, in which case Heyman would make sure there's an appropriate challenger for Madison Square Garden. Lesnar said he's doing fine without Heyman and promised to be on SmackDown this Friday to confront Reigns. So... That was really the segment. And yeah, did it sound boring? Yes, because it was. Lesnar had the crowd in the palm of his hands early. The announcement from Heyman got no reaction. You know why it got no reaction? Because no one in South Carolina and none of us at home will see this match that they're now promoting on television for a Madison Square Garden house show on March 5th. So why are you taking your opening segment of Raw to promote this? Okay, the answer is because I want to sell tickets. Promote that in the New York area. You know, do a special yeah. segment uh, and and blast it all over, you know, New York television stations and whatever you got to do. Taking the opening segment of Raw to promote a house show where you don't even have an opponent for him, because we'll talk about why in a moment with Bobby Lashley, I thought was ridiculous. As soon as Heyman came out, the segment didn't work. And like we mentioned earlier, all of Raw felt like it was missing something. And what it was missing was a main event division and a main event storyline. Yeah, I mean, Heyman was he was talking slow and he was really into the sarcasm, like more than he even normally is. And it was a rare letdown for all the reasons that, that you just mentioned, too. And and honestly, it, it, it kind of set the tone for Raw because outside of Edge, which we'll get to, it was a pretty awful Raw in terms of promos and and. um yeah, I mean, I loved Brock's getup, loved the cowboy hat with the sweater and everything. Still enjoying watching him out there talking, but there was no juice 
there, there was this wasn't Haman being like Roman's going to get you, you know, we're coming for you, you know, blah blah blah, because instead they were promoting a house show. It was just very strange. It was weird, and it was especially strange, as I already mentioned here, that they're promoting Lashley as his potential opponent when in kayfabe he's out of action uh, under concussion protocol. Which, by the way, he would not have flown home from Saudi Arabia if he was under concussion protocol, but. Let's get past that. He reportedly has a legitimate shoulder injury that also reportedly could keep him out months at this point, well past WrestleMania. He's apparently being evaluated or was on Monday, maybe also today, Tuesday, by Dr. James Andrews, the famed surgeon in Birmingham, Alabama. And I just don't get what they're doing. So I think the assumption has to be that Lashley will not be cleared and will not be able to wrestle that match. In which case, who the hell do you have Lesnar fight? Do you literally sign Goldberg and just let Lesnar-Goldberg happen in Madison Square Garden, pop the crowd, and you move on from there? It's such a, a blasé type of thing. I just couldn't believe they wasted TV time with it. And I have a weird feeling that there's going to be a similar type of storyline on SmackDown, whether it's with Reigns, whether it's not. I don't know, but... There's six weeks until WrestleMania. They should be developing, if anything, many feuds for them to tackle on television. You can't take like your your six biggest main eventers right now, Roman Reigns, uh, Brock Lesnar, Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, and Ronda Rousey, and basically say, hey, your matches are set. So you're going to have to do in-ring promo segments, interviews, and contract signings for the next six weeks leading into WrestleMania, you got to figure out things for the women to do. Now, I liked what they did with Bianca Belair. We'll talk about that in a moment. They gave her something to do on Raw. It all made sense. But what are they going to do with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar? They don't have them fight on television. How are they going to stretch this out for six weeks? Doing a house show storyline on TV that your fans are not going to be able to see, for me, is not the answer. Yeah, I mean, like you said at the beginning, this was the biggest question coming out of Elimination Chamber is, okay, what do you fill the time with? I mean, do we get a pull-apart brawl as a go-home at some point? Maybe, but everything has everything that needs to be said has been said between these two, unless unless Brock wants to say, you've never beaten me at Mania. Um, I, I I don't know what else the story is. This is the problem when, when you decide to make the story title versus title, and you decide to do that, you don't have... You can't really slide anything else in there. I don't think Brock's going to go do something to Roman's family or vice versa or something, something like that. I don't right. know. Do, do, do we like, I, do we have him just beat up the Usos a few times? Do we have Roman do some six man tags? I, I, I don't really know. And I don't know. That's, that's the biggest problem. Yeah. And, and, and that's, I mean, for one, we don't get Brock matches on TV anyway, so there's nothing you can do there. And, you know, I, I, loved what they've done with Roman for two years now, but it's gotten a lot more stale when yep. they had reason to, when they were forced to do things with him in the Thunderdome era, they did great stuff, but they've relaxed it. And now he's, it's not as interesting. Totally agree. It has definitely gotten stale. That's the appropriate word. I think for everything, that's the wrong time also for it to get stale six weeks before WrestleMania. Let's move on to the women. Uh, Bianca Belair got really loud chance. They let her open the 10 p.m. hour. She said she was going to run back her WrestleMania moment from last year. It was a weak promo from Bianca until Becky Lynch got there. She said Belair made it back to the big time, and they're the only two women to ever win WrestleMania main events, which is true. 
Good callback. Uh, but she, of course, did it first. Belair said, well, I did it better. Becky said she hasn't been beaten for the Raw title in three years and called out Monday, last Monday, uh, yesterday, being the six-month anniversary of their SummerSlam incident. Becky said this whole thing is her redemption story, not Bianca's, and they were getting ready to fight when Dewdrop made her entrance. I thought this all was pretty good, the back and forth between them. Like I said, Belair's promo initially, not strong, but once they got face-to-face and were able to go back and forth, it was good. It set the stage for their match. Lynch rocked the mic. I don't know how they get five more weeks of build out of this. And okay, sure, one contract signing, but then you need four more segments. So I don't know exactly how they're going to get there, but I am kind of interesting, interested to see it unfold. And these two women on their own individually are interesting and together are interesting. So I do think there's potential for this to succeed as we go down the next five weeks. I like the two of them together. I like the two of them individually didn't really care for this segment for, for, I mean, you kind of laid it out a bit, but Bianca's promo was rough and she seemed to forget her spot a few times. And, mm-hmm. uh, Becky once, you know, Becky being out there kind of brought more energy and more focus and more intensity to it. And I think Bianca kind of got better in that setting. Um, but it kind of goes back to my, my big criticism of WWE promos all the time, which is there's so much sarcasm instead of being direct with the person you're talking to. And, you know, Large, larger issue with promos is when they're standing and facing the hard cam. It's it's a weird thing in the arena. I feel like we don't get very often anymore just walking around the arena, pointing out to the crowd, looking into the camera. We don't get that as much. We'll, we got some good stuff with Edge, which we'll get to. But this was an example of a promo that just felt very forced. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure they'll pick it up and do some good stuff. But promo segment was kind of like, eh. Didn't love it. Yeah, I, I once Becky got there, I was fine with it. It was just the opening Bianca by yeah. herself that was very weak, very repetitive. It just didn't really work for me that part of it on its own. But she's also done very well promos. Or she's done mm-hmm. very well with promos on her own. Is what I'm trying to say in the past. Yes, this just wasn't an example of it, unfortunately. Now we did have a match here: Bianca Belair against Dewdrop. Bianca hit a crossbody off the apron. Dewdrop responded with a running crossbody outside. Belair caught her running for a spinebuster plus a handspring moonsault, and later a really impressive vertical suplex, even though it didn't really get vertical. Dewdrop came back with a Mishinoku driver for a near fall. Then she climbed the ropes when Belair got underneath her and powerbombed. Well, first she slammed her head into the turnbuckle. Then she did a running powerbomb with Dewdrop, put her in the corner, lifted her up, and did a delayed but massive KOD for the win in 11 minutes and 15 seconds. The wrong sound drop. Uh, it was such good shit. What I actually meant to hit was. I like it. I like it a lot. I loved this match. Okay. It was freaking awesome. The crowd was wild for the lead up and the finish. Really nice work by both women. The finish pushed me all the way to 3.75 stars and a B plus. As I said, during their feud in December, you could legitimately run this match weekly. Now they shouldn't. Please don't do that. You already did it for three weeks. But they could, and I would watch it and probably love it every time. They work exceedingly well together. And look, Dewdrop is a larger woman. Belair being able to do what she does with her is impressive. It makes her look strong. They're doing a great job building Bianca Belair on the road to WrestleMania. And this was an indication of it right here. 
say it all the time. And and this was a criticism we had going back to the Sasha build last year versus her and Sasha was they're not letting Bianca do the things Bianca's great at. Don't have her give these long promos with Sasha and, and whatever. Give us Bianca Belair kicking ass because that's what she does. And so that's what we got here. And the crowd was into it. And you get more into Bianca Belair when you see her do something like that. So, again, that's exactly how you're supposed to do it. I agree. Don't do this all the time. I'm a little concerned Dewdrop is losing to her so many times that the, that the the shine of of Dewdrop will will come off a little bit. But I think Dewdrop's a main eventer as well. She she continues to be awesome every time she's on the screen. Um, this was fun. It it, it did it, it accomplished what it needed to accomplish. Let's just not do it too many times to Dewdrop because she needs to. She needs to look pretty good too. She got pinned by she got pinned by Liv Morgan at Elimination Chamber. Let's not turn her into, you know, a, a big show type of thing. Right, and and we do need to give credit by the way both to Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair because that Raw Women's Division, like you believe, with the exception of Nikki Ash, you believe that every other woman in the division that's been around the title recently is capable of being a champion or capable of winning any given match. Like Liv Morgan has been built up. Dewdrop has been built up. Uh, there's someone else I'm thinking of whose name is slipping my mind right now. Oh, obviously Rhea Ripley has been built up, even though that was a little bit more recently with the gauntlet and then her performance at Elimination Chamber and absolutely killing Nikki Ash on Monday night. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, but but all these women have now been built up and you look at this division, you're like, man, it is super strong. Meanwhile, on SmackDown, we never see Shayna Baszler. Shotzi has completely disappeared. Sasha Banks came back and we don't even see her. And, and that's it. Like, there's no one else. So it's, it's, it's a night and day comparison as far as I'm concerned. I'm very pleased with what they're doing uh, on Raw with the women's division. It is a far cry from how things were not that long ago. And it's, it's been a big difference. Chris? Yeah, absolutely. What, with all of that out of the way, we got plenty of show left. Let's get to it right now with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, this was not in the main event, Chris, but I think it's the thing you and I want to talk most about coming off of WWE TV this week, and that's Edge. Uh, Edge entered the ring in the final half hour of Raw with his full pyro. He sat in a chair with a spotlight, said it smelled like WrestleMania season. He explained why Mania was important to him and how he felt like he had to outdo himself every year he was in one. Edge said he makes everything and everyone around him better at Mania because he always steps up to the challenge. He then laid out an open challenge, demanding someone step up and try to live forever against him. It was a promo of the year candidate by Edge. Not even a question. It's funny how that always happens, isn't it? Edge with the chair, promo of the year candidate. He nailed every part of it. He set the stage for an epic challenge. Now, he did provide a number of different hints, potentially, with verbiage that he used in this promo. He gave a hint about demons, which theoretically could be Finn Balor. I believe he used the word, um, the, the phrase I just said, sorry, live forever. Which, of course, Damien Priest is no longer doing that gimmick, but that was his old gimmick. He said a couple things that were in reference to Cody Rhodes. I think he said something about uh, Undeniable, going back to Cody's yes. promo in AEW. Ungoddamn Deniable, I think is what he said. So he used the word Undeniable. But the one that really stood out to me was Edge saying, quote, 
I still dream about walking down that aisle at WrestleMania, soaking in all that energy that you give me so I can be phenomenal. And of course, phenomenal would have to reference AJ Styles. Now, Chris, I've been talking about AJ Styles and Edge on this podcast. It feels like for months, maybe it's only been weeks, but I am now convinced more than ever before, especially because Styles was not on that show. We did not see him Monday night that it's going to be AJ Styles versus Edge at WrestleMania. This was obviously good on its own, but if that's the booking, if it goes down as expected, oh boy, it will be phenomenal. Well, there was one other reference you might have missed, which was WWE tweeted the Edge promo and they said something like, there are no smoke and mirrors here, which is another well, that was, Cody Yeah, mode. he didn't say that though. Right, WWE tweeted that one, but I, I really enjoy that they're leaning into the, the Cody stuff a bit. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be AJ Styles and for the reason, like you said, that the fact that AJ was not there. Um, I mean, coming back from Saudi Arabia maybe played a role, but uh, yeah, AJ versus Edge is I think something we've all talked about for a long time. And, and this is the kind of thing when Edge came back and, and got through the rant and went through so much Randy Orton stuff, it was good, but it was like, man, I, Edge only has so many bumps left. I want to see him with different guys. You're going to do two months of Miz? Fine, that, that's great. Don't need to go any longer than that. Give me an AJ Styles match. Give, give me all these kinds of other things you can do with him. Um, kind of like what CM Punk started to do in AEW when he arrived. So AJ versus Edge, I know they're. I know AJ's not a young and upcoming talent, but I think that's a great idea. I love this promo from Edge. This was the intensity that we don't get from basically anybody else except for Paul Heyman sometimes in Roman on the mic. It, 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 it's, it's not about lines that are meant to elicit cheers. You know, this is him on the chair, staring into the camera, delivering an intensity and a fire that we just don't get elsewhere. These are the kind of promos that edge cut in the, in the Randy Orton feud that we loved. This is a, this was a masterclass. I hope everybody in that company was paying attention to this promo and understanding this is how you do it. This is how you sell something. Even when there's nothing to sell, he's selling an open challenge and I'm a hundred percent in on it. I, oh, yeah. I, I love the, the references. I love the intensity. I loved everything about this promo. And I, I'm really excited to see what happens. I mean, I, I don't want to miss raw because I don't want to miss who, when this happens, when someone answers the opening open challenge, Who's it going to be? You know, I, it seemed like, by the way, they were going to do two open challenges on Raw, one with the United States Championship. We'll get to that a little bit later. And then I guess that got fixed or maybe the Damian Priest said the wrong verbiage. I don't, I don't know exactly what happened there. But when you have an open challenge like this, this is something that gets you to tune into a product. And I want to watch. I'm going to watch Raw anyway every week, but I'm going to I want to watch Raw because I want to see who answers this. Is it going to be next week? Is it going to be the week after that? Does Edge have to goad some people out there? Does someone try to answer it where Edge is like, no, you're not good enough and swats them away and wrestles a match on Raw? Like, there's so many different ways that this could go or they could just have someone come out next week and announce it and, and that's it. But I'm interested. I'm captivated. They got my attention. Totally. Edge with, with the veteran presence there, again, just like that's, that's how you do it. That's how you tell a story. That's how you sell something beautiful. It is. It is. But you know what? So it's great that he can do it. And it's great that you're saying like, hey, everyone watch what Edge does. They have to be given the opportunity. The talent in WWE, many of them are never given the opportunity to extemporaneously speak or, 
get themselves in a ring with a mic and a spotlight. They have to cut a promo while walking down the aisle or in front of the crowd. But you're right. It, all the different facets of why that was successful should be an example to the younger talent in the company. These are the things that you can do to be an expert on the mic. And Edge proved it top to bottom in that segment. It was fantastic. I don't even mean just the, I don't even mean just the talent, but the writers too. Like that was written very well too. Well, I mean, I think Edge just did that promo. I don't think it was written. Sure, I, I, right. I'm saying, but that, that's how you write a promo. Sure, yes, yes. That's how you conceptualize and formulate a promo. Absolutely, totally. Uh, let's move over to SmackDown, where we had a big main event match last Friday. We have not talked about it. Shinsuke Nakamura defending the Intercontinental Championship for the first time in, I didn't write it down, but like months, I think since November or October, against Sami Zayn. Backstage, Zayn said WWE blocked his documentary and that he had the worst year of his life which was horrible to hear. It makes me think it's actually not coming out now. Although I think we all knew it probably wasn't. Uh, Rick Boogs was missing after being electrocuted last week. Nakamura hit his sliding powerbomb for a near fall, but Zane came back with a scoop Mishinoku driver in a really nice spot for a 2.5. Nakamura tried Kinshasa outside, but Zane threw his knee into the steel steps. Shinsuke seemed to hit like a flying version of Kinshasa from the second rope, but only got a 2.8. Sammy countered a real Kinshasa, but taking out Nakamura's legs, then he hit a blue thunderbomb for a near fall. And there was finally some life into the crowd here, which was it was a double taped show in New Orleans and the crowd was a little bit dead for the match, but they finally picked up in that moment. Sammy mocked Shinsuke's come on move. Uh, Nakamura stomped on him and answered with a roundhouse kick, but Zayn avoided Kinshasa out of the ring, slammed Nakamura's injured knee into the post like about a dozen times, and then took out Shinsuke's other knee, catching him in a fold up pinning combination by hooking the good leg and putting pressure on the bad one for the win in 19 minutes to become the new Intercontinental Champion. Now, this was a far cry from their NXT TakeOver match. I mean, these guys are six years older here than they were in that match. But it was a really well-wrestled, unique match with a squeaky clean finish that put Zayn over as the new champion. The biggest issue in the entire thing was the lack of crowd response. But again, that's not the wrestler's fault. The New Orleans crowd was exhausted. This was very enjoyable. Got plenty of time for a really important match. There should not be a title match on television, especially if there's a title change, but of, of significance that does not go a minimum of 14 or 15 minutes. Like I said, this one went 19. All pluses in my book. But like I said, it was painfully obvious that these guys have lost a step since that takeover match. So I'm going to go 3.5 stars in a B, but I was fully entertained. The title was treated well in this circumstance. And I am very interested, I guess, is the best word, to see what they do going forward. You mentioned that TakeOver match, and at any time these two have been together, I, I've thought back to that. And not not the shape they were in five, six years ago, however long that was, but just the way that they were presented as big deals and the way the fans accepted them as big deals. That was back in the era when NXT was really what AEW is now, when you could just bring in special people for special matches or, or whatever, and the fans were 100% behind you. And, and now this is kind of the position they're in. It's kind of just the starkest example of the difference between Triple H's vision for a wrestling company and the way WWE is run. But glad that Sami Zayn won. The, the Nakamura reign, while the Boog stuff was fun, the, the actual title reign was a real drag. I know he was, I think, banged up for a bit in there as well. He had a hand wrist injury, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But just, it just, it wasn't going anywhere. They've really done a disservice to the 
Intercontinental Championship with with the booking that they've done recently. Not, again, not the fault of the performers, just the way it's been presented. Sammy's has been killing it for the past few months, even when he came back, when he was away. Um, so glad to see the belt back on him. But we got. I, I'm glad it was a 20 minute match, and he didn't. It, it wasn't like some obvious big major cheating thing to win because you need the Intercontinental Champion to look strong. You need Sami Zayn to look strong to continue to take him seriously coming off of the coming off of the Knoxville stuff. So this worked. This was great. I I'm, I don't know what it means for the title moving forward. I still think it looks ugly as all hell. That's <laughs> so. Bad. But this was a step forward finally for the Intercontinental belt. Absolutely. So good from you, I assume, here. Yes. Both, good for both of us, of course, on the edge segment. Let's stick with the mid-card title picture, even though I, I'm going to move some stuff around here, because I do feel like they realized, WWE realized what we talked about on the Elimination Chamber Instant Analysis, which is it's a really bad idea to put both your world championships in a main event when both of your mid-card titles are worthless at this time. So it feels like they're at least starting to put some energy into the mid-card championships. Now with the Intercontinental title, look, it's pretty obvious they're sticking with Johnny Knoxville involved with Sami Zayn somehow. It can go one of two directions, Chris. One direction would be an absolute worst case scenario that I'd be disgusted by, which would be Johnny Knoxville challenging for the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania. The other would be Johnny Knoxville being in the corner of someone who challenges for the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania. And I'd be 1000% fine with that if that's what they do. So... You know, right now, I'm not going to praise them too much for the Intercontinental title, although that match was good. But I did like the direction they took with the United States Championship. So on Raw, they had Damian Priest fight Shelton Benjamin. It was a non-title match, and it was also not a champion's contenders match. Thank God. I don't know if those are gone or if it was just they forgot to do it, whatever. It was a regular non-title match. Benjamin hit an Olympic slam for a near fall. Later did his old finisher, Pedrick, for another, but uh, Priest kicked out. Cedric Alexander interfered twice. Priest eventually hit South of Heaven and The Reckoning to win in four minutes and 15 seconds. I believe it was the shortest or second shortest match on the show. Uh, But after the match, Priest gave Benjamin props for facing him, given how many people he's already beaten as U.S. champion. Priest said he wants his next opponent to be WrestleMania and World Championship caliber. And he said, I'm pretty sure that it was going to be an open challenge and he'd want someone to answer him next week. But instead, someone's music hit immediately. It was Finn Balor. He came out. He goes, well, I'm a world champion. Uh, I was a two-time NXT champion. I'm WrestleMania caliber. I fit all these categories. I'm going to challenge you for the championship next week. The only thing wrong with all of this was the length of the match. They took something that could have been exciting and helped reestablish Priest because you want to see this guy compete in a really good match against a good opponent and come out on top. And it just kind of felt like they wasted the opportunity to get him over the same way they got Rhea Ripley over uh, last week. This is a guy, by the way, who's been winning and losing via disqualification nearly every week. He's like, I have no challengers. Well, yeah, that's because Kevin Owens was your challenger and they just (laughs) forgot about it, basically. Uh, So that was all extremely frustrating for me. He needed something more substantial. But that aside, Balor answering, I thought was a nice touch. It makes me wonder, maybe they actually do a change next week and they reset the division for WrestleMania, that way the United States Championship can be in a really exciting match, or they could potentially make a different move. There could be an interference here, and that could start building to a multi-man match, let's say, for WrestleMania. I would hate to see Balor come back, have the match he did, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and then just lose to Priest the next week. That would really depress me. 
So overall, I'm actually going to say good here because it gave us hope that it's going to be improving going forward. And the Balor Priest confrontation was totally fine. De- definitely giving this a good for, for, for what it was. What, what it means for the future, I don't know. But it was nice to see Priest get on the mic, lay out his accolades to basically remind us, hey, this guy matters. I know we've been giving you the weird Jekyll and Hyde thing and not explaining it barely, but no, let's remember that this is a real person with real accolades and that stuff. That was good. The problem is, like you said, he's talking about all the people he's beat, even though he's been losing (laughs) quite a bit over the last few months. Kevin Owens never got his number one contender match. I think AJ beat him once and then got it. I don't remember a couple weeks back. He beat him back. It was 50-50 book. Beat him back. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was optimistic that they're shifting in another direction for Damian Priest, which would be a positive. Um, And then him versus Finn Balor, I'm all for it. I'm looking for it. I'm not going to go too far into what this means for the division and the booking of the belt, but this was a much needed step in the right direction after a pretty brutal few months for Damian Priest and the, and the perception of the U S championship belt. That's exactly what I believe. I'm totally in alignment with you there. Let's just stick with Finn Balor just because we mentioned him. We had a, a tag team match, shockingly. Tommaso Ciampa from NXT and Finn Balor against the Dirty Dogs. I mean, not a dream match for me by any means, but it was cool as hell. I, I'm huge fans of both guys, and to see them both on the show was cool. Ciampa was interviewed backstage when Balor stepped up and said he'd have his back in a tag team match against the Dirty Dogs, and that even though uh, he's on Raw now, he being Balor, he's never going to forget that he came from NXT and was a two-time champion there. Corey Graves also gave a great note that three of the four people in the ring were former NXT champions, everyone except Dolph Ziggler, which was part of the reason why Ziggler is showing up in NXT because he wants to win the NXT title. These little things, it's what I'm talking about. It it enhances the product. When I heard that, I go, oh yeah, you know what? He's right. Yeah, maybe Ziggler does want the title. Like it it clicked in my head. And it's it's so easy to include those in storylines. There were a number of different occasions on Raw Monday night where that happened, Corey Graves did a really good job here. Anyway, as far as the match, Balor took the dogs out with a Tope Cone Hero. I think there was a We Want Balor chant at one point, which was cool. Uh, Champa got the last tag, and after Robert Roode countered fairytale ending, Champa folded him over for the pin in nine minutes. This was Balor's first match or TV appearance in a month, so it was great to see him back. Champa absolutely had to be the one getting the fall here, because not only was he there to get some rub for Balor, but he want people to tune into this guy, who just pinned Robert Roode on NXT. That's the whole point. The only problem I had is I have no idea why they protected Roode in the finish. Champa should have been allowed to hit his finisher, the fairy tale ending, and pin Robert Roode and then say, hey, I just pinned your partner with my finisher. We're fighting the next night on NXT. It's your turn next, Dolph Ziggler. So I don't understand why they protected uh, Roode by having him get folded up. Completely unnecessary. But other than that, Solid action, plenty of time, and the right person won. Check, check, check. That is good. Yeah, again, you didn't seem to love so much last week the the idea of at least the way they were trying to merge NXT into WWE. I I really appreciate him coming up. I appreciate these references. I appreciate them showing that Dolph Ziggler went down to NXT. Like, they've really kind of strayed away from acknowledging NXT on the main roster now ever since the the 2.0 shift outside of commercials they mm-hmm. didn't have anybody in the rumble so yeah i i i, I enjoyed this match i enjoyed the the setup to it it um 
Finn Balor kind of that being his return was a little bit weird, but the fact that we got the U S thing later in the show kind of made it all worth it. I think for his, his comeback. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. The only thing is, like you said, the, the, the finish, why not just kind of have it, have him hit the finisher and, and tease that for the next day against Ziggler. So, um, definitely a good, definitely good. Um, you know, kind of a middle tier, lower tier type of deal, but exactly what it needed to be. And I will say doing this also, Chris did make me, I know you don't watch NXT weekly like I do, but it did make me anticipate their match on NXT more. So it did succeed in doing that. Now they're trying to get new people to watch NXT, obviously is the reason why they're doing this. But for me as a viewer, I appreciated it. It sold me on their match on NXT even more than I was already sold on. So that was all positives for me. Uh, Let's move on to what has become a very uh, busy, convoluted tag team division, I guess, on Raw, suddenly out of nowhere. So it was announced before the show went on the air that we were going to get Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens against RK-Bro in the main event, with the stipulation being that if Rollins and KO won, they would get added to the Raw tag team title match in two weeks that RKO already qualified for through the quiz bowl whole situation deal that they did with Alpha Academy. Owens explained backstage that they earned the chance because of their recent wins, which was actually true in kayfabe and a good reference again. The idea here from KO and Rollins is that they will both earn their way into WrestleMania as the Raw Tag Team Champions. Now, let's be clear. Rollins and KO versus RK-Bro on its own, those four guys, is a WrestleMania-worthy match, period. I mean, that sounds like a banger, but... I don't think it's what anyone wants for either of these four teams, especially given we already saw this match two weeks ago and we saw it again Monday night on Raw. And for Rollins in particular, this is the guy who should be in a main event level match at WrestleMania. His character is over as hell. He's one of the MVPs of the year for WWE. And I just feel like if they ultimately do just throw him into a tag team feud, it's going to be a huge waste of his talent at WrestleMania. My my thought watching this was maybe they don't quite know yet what they're doing with Kevin Owens. And so they're they're having him or, or what's happening with his potential opponent, like we mentioned earlier, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Are, 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 so they're maybe the tag team thing is a backup plan if something doesn't work, because a few weeks ago they were they were really leaning into kind of Seth Rollins kind of betraying Kevin Owens a bit and some strife between them. But then Kevin Owens goes on this Texas thing, but now he's back in the tag team and they're working together. So that was my thought is maybe they just, they don't yet know what they're doing with these guys. And they're kind of setting up multiple plans. Possibly. I was just very depressed at the booking and, you know, look, there's six weeks until mania, five more raws left. So they're doing this match two weeks from now, which means by the time that match is done and that show ends, there's going to be three weeks until WrestleMania. If they're champions, then there's obviously a clear direction. If they're not champions, then, man, what the hell is Rollins going to do? Because KO, it seems like he at least has a direction. Rollins right now, it does not. But let's talk about... Yeah, really doesn't. Let's talk about what actually happened here. This was the main event of the show. Randy shaved his face, by the way. No more uh, goatee or Van Dyke, whatever it was. That was sad. Orton backdropped KO into the announce table, only for Rollins to take him out with a tope suicida. Riddle countered a rolling elbow with an exploder suplex, Broton, and German suplex bridge for a near fall in what was a really great sequence. Rollins hit a draping coup de gras for a near fall. KO then hit a senton bomb. 
with Rollins blind tagging and immediately following with a frog splash back to back, but Riddle kicked out at 2.5. Orton got the hot tag. Owens avoided an RKO and took out Orton before Rollins hit the stomp on him outside. Riddle hit a floating bro, but the heels in succession hit an assisted buckle bomb, stunner, and stomp, all to beat Riddle. I just sat there and I struggled to understand the booking. It didn't make sense when Rollins and KO beat RK Bro two weeks ago. It seemed unnecessary for Rollins to go and beat Orton last week. Both times, by the way, they were the number one contenders already for the Raw Tag Team Championships. And now you have these guys, these former champions who are the number one contenders, lose three weeks in a row to these guys. To what end are you doing this? Like, are they going to do the WrestleMania match despite already losing to these guys three times if they win the titles in two weeks? To me, it's just really unfortunate booking. I'm going to separate the booking from the match because the match was baller. It was freaking great. It was the WWE match of the week, not counting the pay-per-view. Four stars and an A- minus for a TV match. I loved the action. The crowd was all the way into it. The hot tag sequence with Riddle was incredible. And the finish made him look incredibly strong. He ate a signature and two finishers just to get pinned. So I'm going to say good because I was thoroughly entertained by everything. But my criticism stand here. I have no idea what they're doing from a booking perspective. And if it's Rollins and Owens entering Mania as the Raw Tag Team Champions just to lose the titles to RK-Bro, is it going to be a great match? Yes, but they've already given it away twice on television, and I don't get how that is the booking for Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. It just doesn't make sense to me. It was a good for the match it was. It it was a fun match involving a lot of people we like to see together. I was thoroughly entertained. Uh, There were stakes. Number one contender, if they won. They won, they got in. Love all of that. Um, But it is kind of weird that this was the main event of the first Raw kind of post-elimination ever. The first Raw is we get ready to go to Mania. The first Raw is for a match that's, what, two weeks from now when they're doing this tag match? So, yeah, when we talk about lacking main event stuff going on on Raw, this is exactly what we're talking about. Even though I, I really like this, didn't I don't know about just kind of the, the timing of it. You're right. RK-Bro now just keeps losing to Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins who aren't really, like, doing anything all that dastardly. They're, they're just a really good team. I really like Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins together. They're a really good tag team together. But like, if you're going to do that, have them beat the Street Profits, have them beat the Hurt right. Business, have them beat all right. these other teams my, and build my, them right. up to the level where they deserve to be. And then if, if in one time you want to put them against RK Bro and they beat them once in this spot to get into the triple threat match, that's totally fair if you do it that my, way. Yes. My thought right now is why does our RK Bro sure doesn't seem like they deserve a number one contender spot. <laughs> now, they're clearly not. They are just not as good as Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. Now, I'm trying to remember. Did they get the number one contender because of the decathlon thing? Yes. Is that what happened? Yes. Okay. So that's why they got it. So, yeah, it's been a – I'm just – I'm really – look. We got clean endings. We didn't get DQ stuff no, and all that kind yeah, of stuff. That, that's clean. another positive. Um, so I, I'm generally not complaining about what they did. Uh, I liked what they did. It's just the larger picture of it's a lot of losses to one team for RK Bro, and uh, you know, it's, it, I feel like they don't deserve that number one contender spot now. I mean, if anything, they probably should have done Rollins over Riddle in a singles match to repair Rollins after being just squashed by Lesnar inside Elimination Chamber. If you're going to do yeah. anything here, but yeah, it just it. 
it seems like, look, RK Bro, they haven't been hurt by any of these losses. So it's not like no. they've been taken down a peg or anything like that. But there's just so many other ways to accomplish the same goal. And it's really unfortunate that they booked this the way they did. But again, yes, the match was so good that it was good. And I'm sticking with that. Uh, staying with the tag team division on Raw, we had the champions, Alpha Academy. Again, Street Profits, also a non-title match, not a championship contender match. Uh, it's also the second time we've gotten this match in three weeks. So the same as RK, uh, RK Bro and Rollins and Owens, second time in three weeks. Angelo Dawkins hit an awesome Tope Cone Hero, which was counter to the expectation. Usually it's Montez Ford doing that. The Profits eventually hit their really sick Avalanche blockbuster, but Otis broke the fall. Otis tagged in blind. Ford got up on him, but tried to body slam him. He was unable to lift his weight. So Otis just fell back onto Ford, crushing him. And then Gable held Ford's foot down for the one, two, three in about nine minutes and 30 seconds. And really there was nothing wrong with this other than it being a rematch. Great action from the start, plenty of time. And the champions won clean. Well, not clean, but pretty clean, you know, as clean as you could get. Uh, my one issue is that this just seems to take the profits out of the title picture for WrestleMania. And if you're going to do a multi-team match for the Raw Tag Team titles, man, they should definitely be in it. You know, like, like these are guys that you want on that big stage in one of your ta big tag team matches. And it just feels like they are, they've been knocked down a significant peg over the last year. Now, maybe it's because RK-Bro is so big, they're letting them have the spotlight. That's all fine. But then guess what? They should be on SmackDown, the Street Profits, which is badly mm -hmm. in need of tag teams. So they got to figure out what they're doing with the profits. But other than that, again, 10-minute match, semi-clean finish. It's all good stuff. So, yeah, this is a good for me. Same. I have the same thoughts on all that. We, we got a clean finish. We got a good match. It got some time. Boom, that, that's exactly what you need to do. Um, I, I do agree, though, that I'm the Street Profits have really just kind of fallen out over the last few months. They're not getting that big of a pop for their entrance, which I, which I think is an awesome entrance and, and theme and everything. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I do. We do a fatal four way tag team for the, for the belts. Is that what we got? I'm trying to remember last year, was it the Friday before WrestleMania last year? Fatal the tag team titles. I think both on titles on SmackDown. On the show. It was, but it was on the SmackDown before WrestleMania. They did a multi tag, multi-person tag match. Uh, that sounds correct. Yeah, and I don't know if it was, a, I think it was a fatal four-way. Yeah, because we we had praised how they had built up the SmackDown tag division and caring about all those teams. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if we get another four-way between these teams at Mania, I, I don't know if that's the ideal situation for, you know, for, for Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens, uh, but I don't really know where the Street Profits go. That That's the biggest question coming out of this, and, and they are guys who, you know, they're a team I thought, give them a, a tag team title win at WrestleMania. People will go crazy for it. Montez Ford is a future star for you. Angelo Dawkins is great. Give them a crowning moment. Yeah. And this mania seemed like a, a place to do it. But with six weeks to go, they seem uh, very far away from that. For sure. No, I totally agree with you. So let's move on here uh, over to SmackDown. The only other thing to talk about from SmackDown, we, we already covered so much on the Elimination Chamber instant analysis, but it was another singles match. Sheamus against Ricochet. Sheamus criticized Ridge Holland backstage for getting beaten by Ricochet a couple weeks ago. Rick hit a tope suicide cannonball in a cool spot. Sheamus later took him out with a fallaway slam over the announce table, which was also really cool. Rick nailed the satellite DDT 
spring springing crossbody, springboard elbow, standing shooting star press, and a springboard moonsault for a couple near falls. Then he caught Sheamus with an avalanche Spanish fly, which was incredibly impressive that Sheamus can do that for a 2.8. Holland tried to distract. Sheamus missed a bro kick and Ricochet hit recoil to beat Sheamus with his finisher, one of his two finishers, in 11 minutes. Sheamus then shoved Holland after the bell for screwing up. Again, this shit is so not that hard. Ricochet was booked really well here. And even though I expected him to take the fall the whole time, I thought he was going to lose the match. He wound up with a clean win over a former champion that helped raise his overall profile. 3.25 stars and a B. It checked all the boxes again. Yes, of course, this was good. It it was good. I just found myself, anytime I'm seeing Sheamus and Ricochet and Rich Holland on my screen, I'm just, I'm, I'm spaced out and just not into it. I, I can't get into it because of the all the back and forth. They've been doing the same stuff, it feels like, forever. Ricochet gets a win here. That's great. Do I have any confidence that means anything for him moving forward? Oh, no. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. I'm not, I'm, not so jumping, I just, I'm not jumping the gun on Ricochet, trust me. Right. Yeah. And I so I, I just was like, oh, okay. That was just, that was my reaction. It's not bad. It's a good, but it was just very, very, very low stakes good. It's a low, yeah, low stakes. But look, there. it was a 10-minute match on TV. A clean match with two guys that are really good in the ring. Sometimes that's all we want. Yeah, I'll say, and I meant to say it at the beginning of the show, but I, I forgot. We got, we got a lot of wrestling over the last SmackDown and Raw. And I think this is an exact example where 10 minutes on a SmackDown, su- su- surprised at that number. We got Even a 10-minute I mean, match and a 20-minute match on the same SmackDown. Yeah, they, these are longer than most of the matches we got at Elimination Chamber. By Many of them, yeah, so, that's true. And, you know, uh, last Monday we had the Women's Gauntlet match. So The, the Intercontinental you know, Championship say, match on SmackDown was longer than either Elimination Chamber match. Yeah, so I I, I will, we, we should credit WWE, and I should have done this at the beginning, that over the last two weeks on TV, they've given us actually a lot of wrestling, which is what we have been uh, asking for. So, more and I, more I, wrestling. And I think it's helped everybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, lo- longer matches. Yes. Yes. And yeah. I and I think that has helped everybody. Uh, everybody involved. I think everybody looks better because a- of absolutely, man. It's it's a very simple, easy lesson to learn. And whether they've learned it in you know going forward, or maybe it was just a go home week and and a show after where they didn't have a lot of things planned. I don't know, but I liked what I saw on my television. Uh, we'll go back to Raw for the remainder here. Uh, the Miz complained about the Mysterios beating him, saying they cheated, and fans root for Rey Mysterio because they're failures. Miz said his partner was someone from a fighting family who is, quote, dashing and both an athlete and a celebrity. The Mysterios said no one backstage can stand Miz. Ray said the outsider, whoever he is, can go back to where he came from and let someone who deserves a WrestleMania opportunity get a WrestleMania opportunity. Uh, Miz countered that Dom doesn't even deserve a WWE contract. Dom said he made WWE his life's work and passion. He deserves to be there. So Miz officially made a tag team challenge for WrestleMania. And I got to say, I was decently into the segment, given the confrontation, given Dom speaking up for his dad, defending himself on the contract. It was all working for me. And Miz introduces his partner. And as was reported, Logan Paul was revealed and he got a really tepid response from the crowd. He talked some shit to Ray. Dom insulted him. Then he accepted the match. And then Miz and Paul attacked the Mysterios to real big booze, like a ton of heat before throwing both of them through the turnbuckles into the post. Miz hit skull-crushing finale on Ray. Paul hit one that was very poorly done on Dom. And I thought Logan, up until that moment, 
actually looked really good in the ring. Like throwing worked punches, it looked solid. And Chris, like, I gotta tell you, dude, I thought I was going to hate this, but the heels got so much legitimate heat here. The fans love the Mysterios, and Ray in particular, and hate Miz so much. The entire thing felt like it worked. Logan Paul looked super into the entire thing. Like I just said, he had a really good working punch. And I also appreciated how Miz specifically teased Cody Rhodes so well that he actually got the crowd for like five seconds to chant, we want Cody. (laughs) So I'm going to go, this may shock everyone here. I'm going to go with a precautionary good. I have no idea what they're going to do for the next five weeks. But in terms of what we got on Raw, I was entertained by it. I was sports entertained by it. Oh, this was undoubtedly a good. And and we said this the last couple of times we've had Logan Paul. There was the, the Sami Zayn bit. And then was he involved in a Damian Priest thing with Miz? Oh, Kevin Owens. Yeah, where Kevin he was Owens cheered was, initially was, trying to be a face. And then they realized they couldn't yeah, do that. And, yeah. yeah. Like, look, Logan Paul does a lot of shit we don't like. And we've gone over it in the past. Yes. But you you cannot deny that he is a star. And he is a heat magnet. People hate this guy so much. This, this, this is the exact type of heel celebrity heat you you want to get. And you mentioned the working punch. The dude is into this, and he is good at what you need someone to be good at. It's 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 wild. I mean, Ronda Rousey comes back. She's got a a, a real MMA fighting background, and she's. She, her, her promos aren't good. She's not projecting. She's not that larger than life character that you need in wrestling. But that's exactly what you get with Logan Paul. I, I think this is a great tag team. Honestly, I'm surprised. Like I had heard the rumors about Logan Paul, but I was like, Logan Paul main events, boxing pay-per-views now. Is he going to come to WWE to just do a mid-card tag team deal? And he is. That's a big, it's a big get for WWE. It, no matter if, what you think of Logan Paul, especially if you hate Logan Paul. That is a big addition for them. And, you know, we've talked about they, they WWE's needs to do some bigger things to fill out the card and for, for WrestleMania. And this is definitely one of them. Um, I don't know. I, I think Miz and Logan Paul are going to be such good heels throughout all <laughs> this. My, my question is, is the Mysterios part of this? Neither of them are that strong on, on the mic. True. Yeah. Uh, I, I, my biggest, that was my biggest question coming out is are I like, they're small, they're a family, they're a natural baby face, but can they be a big enough baby, not physically, but like a big enough of a baby face to counteract it? Uh, that's what I'm going to be curious about going forward. But I thought this segment here should be, should have been higher up in the show. Cause I think this is a pretty big deal. It, 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 it worked. It. it just worked so much. Well, let, let's clarify. So Rey Mysterio is a huge monster baby face, like all time. Yes. All right. He has fans that don't even like wrestling anymore, who will probably watch just for Rey Mysterio. But he has never been strong on the mic. At the same time, they made him world champion. So he's capable enough to get the job done. But it, it, there is a big uh, chasm between Rey Mysterio on the mic and the Miz on the mic. And even Logan Paul, the guy can talk. Like, you know, you may not like him, but the guy can talk some shit in terms of from a combat sports, you know, match promotion perspective. I do want to clarify one thing you said, just so people understand. Jake Paul is the one who's really the boxer, who's like actually, he's had multiple fights, multiple main events. Logan Paul has had boxing fights, but 
Two of them were against another like YouTube uh, social media guy, KSI. And he, he is the one who had the Floyd Mayweather fight. But but okay, but Jake Paul, but Jake Paul is the one who's actually like fighting real fighters, like MMA fighters. And it's like, gotcha. you know, that type of situation. So it's both of them fight. But Jake is the one who's like really trying to make it a career. You know, Logan's okay. not so much. So it's not inappropriate okay. or odd for Logan to be in this spot. What needs to be noted is, look, I see a lot of people criticizing WWE for having Logan Paul in this situation and potentially Johnny Knoxville in the Sami Zayn situation. And what I will say is if Johnny Knoxville ends up challenging for the Intercontinental Championship and that's it, and it's a singles match, I'm going to hate it. Now, even if it's entertaining, I'm going to hate the booking, period. It's ridiculous that you would take the Intercontinental Championship and not have someone legitimate compete for it. Absolutely ridiculous. In this case, with Logan Paul, this is very similar to dozens of celebrity appearances that WWE's had at WrestleMania. We had Lawrence Taylor in a main event fight against Bam Bam Bigelow. We had Snooki in a, I forget if it was a mixed tag team match or a a women's tag team match. It was a, it was a, it was a six person tag. But we had Snooki wrestling. She did gymnastics move. Logan Paul is, again, he's not really an established uh, combat sports fighter, but he's someone in the vicinity of, of it and of the professional wrestling gimmick game he's been on wwe tv a couple times so he's established within the universe there's no problem whatsoever other than me disliking him as a person there's no problem with him as a celebrity being a part of wrestlemania so i don't want to hear anything a ray mysterio ms logan paul promoted fight through social media is going to get a ton of people to subscribe to peacock and a ton of people to get eyes on this fight that's exactly what WWE wants. And I think it's really smart that they're doing it this way because honestly, what else would Rey Mysterio and Miz have to do at WrestleMania? You're taking people who otherwise would have had nothing to do and you're making a match that people are actually going to want to see. It may not be it, it, may not be big time, you know, smart professional wrestling fans that want to see it, but the casual fan does, does want to see this. And, uh, and well, first, yes, people were upset about the Bad Bunny thing last year. That turned out to be <laughs> one of the highlights of the right. show. Huge international news. Yes. Like that that's you look at the history of WrestleMania, there's a lot of that. But the other part of this is that this isn't the WWE of a couple of years ago and you can't say these celebrities are taking away so many spots from other main event type stars True. because they have gutted the roster. There are not that many people where I say, oh, Logan Paul shouldn't have a spot. It should be X. Or I don't want, Ricochet should be in this match and not Logan Paul. I'm sorry, but Logan Paul is going to get you a heck of a lot more viewers and people noticing your product. Um, Because you don't have Ron Stroman, Aleister Black, Keith Lee, uh, Bray Wyatt. Like all these people are gone. Like there's not that, it's not, it's a different roster now and, and, celebrities filling up some spots for a two night mania. So there are more matches. Um, I, it, it makes, it makes perfect sense. One last thing back to the thing I'm trying to say about the Mysterios not being big enough. Baby faces is they're going to hate Logan Paul in the mist so much. You're going to need somebody who can forcefully deliver what the fans are feeling, which is, I can't wait to see you get your ass kicked in that's the kind of intensity we're going to need because that's, I think, the intensity the fans are going to feel. So I'm just curious if if the Mysterios will be able to to uh, kind of 
embody that enough. So we'll see. Yeah, fair enough. Good point. Uh, two more things before we get out of here with this segment. Again, we are going to book some damn territory for WrestleMania 38. Before we get out of here, Rhea Ripley versus Nikki Ash. Nikki screamed at Rhea. Ripley attacked at a long, delayed vertical suplex. Then Nikki screamed at commentary. Ripley got a chant going from the crowd, hit a roundhouse kick, and won with the riptide in two minutes and 30 seconds. Ripley was built so strong in the last week that I'm going to accept the shortness of the match. But again, it's just unnecessary to have a short match like this when your roster is so thin. It chops Nikki down even further than she already is, where at least if they went six, seven, eight minutes, you allow her to look strong in, in certain spots, look, look like she can compete, and that helps her for a feud in the future. So I didn't like that. This didn't anger me as much as it, similar things have in the past. So I'm not going ugly, but I am saying bad. It's a bad. I, Nikki Ash really has been knocked down several pegs because of this. And she just keeps, like, like you said, she needs to be in a spot where she can go into the next feud and not look totally weak. And I'm not, she's not being buried because she's getting TV time and matches. But yeah, they've really just kind of slammed down that character quite a bit recently. And, and look, it, the purpose is to make Rhea look good. I get that. I don't think a short, again, like you said, I don't think a short match like that really does anything for anybody. And and so, yeah, tough, definitely bad. And then we also had Reggie who grabbed the mic and welcomed Dana Brooke, who wore a full bodysuit and heels to the ring. Uh, Reggie said he had her back while she was 24-7 champion. It's fine that she just wants to be friends. And he's sorry for beating her for the title last week. He got loud what chants from the crowd, which I thought were totally deserved in this case. Uh, the, the crowd, by the way, has stopped doing what chants largely, except in this Rare occasion. Uh, Reggie welcomed the referee to the ring. He laid down for Dana to pin him, but twice she covered him and he kicked out at 2.5, which I thought was funny. The third time, Dana made out with him and that pinned his shoulders to the mat for the three count. You could, it was very strange. You could totally see her hair extensions coming out the back of her head. And then when she picked her face up, her makeup was all over his face. This was a throwback to what Medusa did back in the day. Uh, in WCW, they had a title tournament. And she did this to beat a man in the title tournament. Uh, the 24-7 oh. jobbers ran out. Tamina caught yeah. Akira Tozawa flying off the ring apron. He was in her arms and he thought she was going to kiss him. She didn't. She dropped him. They all ran out. I can't believe I just broke down this entire thing and spent this much time <laughs> on it. Uh, it was kind of well done, like with Reggie kicking out. That was like, I did laugh. It was kind of funny. It's obviously a terrible waste of time. So because there's been worse 24-7 segments, segments, I'll just call this one bad. Yeah, I'm giving it a bad, not an ugly. The the last two 24-7 segments they've done along these lines have been not too bad. There's there's some continuity going on. Honestly, I think if you just took out the jobbers, I think it'd be more interesting if you just kind of had this Reggie-Dana dynamic going on without the, without the clown car behind them. I actually think it might be better, uh, but... Still giving it it's just that. crazy that this title is still a thing when there's no roster left. And like, it's it's just the same shit every week. I don't know. I'm so done with it. Lastly, for this segment, uh, Veer Mahan got another new vignette. I am at the point where I believe it's fully a rib. And I mean, we're going to keep talking about him on the show as long as they keep airing it. I, I don't know, man. Is he going to debut on the Raw after WrestleMania at this point? That's kind of what I'm thinking. They do they do six more weeks and he debuts on the Raw after WrestleMania. Probably. I, am, am I off? Him being Veer Mahan, I, this felt like the first time I noticed the last name. Did, did, did I just miss it? You missed that? it. It's been there the entire time. 
Really? They actually took a guy who had one name and added a name to it. And not only only did they add a name, they chose one that's very similar to Jinder Mahal. Mahal, Mahan, it's it's very similar. I don't know why they couldn't have chosen something else. Okay, I just, I just know, for some reason, I just noticed the name for the first time. But yeah, I, it's not. Okay, Whatever. so that with the good, the bad, and the ugly done. Real quick, I just wanted to go over this one time here um, before we really get into the build to WrestleMania. So I went ahead, I took the four matches that are official for WrestleMania right now, along with two that are rumored slash pretty obvious. And I tried to fill out what I thought an ideal 14-match WrestleMania 38 card would be. So seven matches on each night, split evenly. Uh, Again, using the six matches that are basically already booked or that we already think are going to be booked. So Chris, I wanted to go through them with you. Uh, You know, I'll pause maybe after some of the individual ones that I mentioned. See what you think. And then if you have any ideas, you can share them. And then certainly this is something we can revisit as we get closer to WrestleMania. As more matches start filling out, we can kind of pare it down and see what the rest of the card might look like. But I wanted to give you the Silver King's version of booking the damn territory for WrestleMania 38. So let's start with the matches that are official. Title versus title, Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship against Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. That is going to be winner take all. Raw Women's Championship match, Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. Now, I would add a stipulation to this match. I don't know what it would be exactly, but I would do something here to make it a little bit more special. Uh, SmackDown Women's Championship, Charlotte Flair against Ronda Rousey, and now the Mysterios against The Miz and Logan Paul. Those are the four official matches. The two unofficial matches that are either rumored, we'll start with that, Steve Austin versus Kevin Owens. I'm using that as a way to take Kevin Owens out of my pool of available superstars, basically. And then one that seems completely obvious that we've been talking about on this podcast ad nauseum for months now, Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin. It's going to happen anyway. What I would do, Chris, to enhance that match is I would put it inside of a steel cage. That way it's at least somewhat exciting and it's a little bit different. And I would make it for the number one contendership for the universal title. So quick thoughts on that before I move on. Um, wait, say that last bit again. I would put it inside a steel cage and I would make it for the number one contendership to the universal title. Wait, and, and who is this between? Drew McIntyre. Are you paying attention? Like, I'm just. Yes, yes, are you yes, with yes, me? Yeah, I, Drew I, McIntyre I, and I, Happy I, Corbin. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yes. Certainly. Of course. I, I don't want Drew McIntyre <laughs> in this match at all. But if you got to do it, sure. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm basing just, it on the assumption that these are going to happen anyway. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Put. But get Drew in that number one contender spot. Get him up there. Get him away from this. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Fine. So here are the eight matches that I'm booking clean, flat from from nothing. Okay. Yeah. This one yeah, I was so I the first two, I'm going to say these together, okay? Uh, AJ Styles versus Edge. Again, I feel like we've been talking about it for a while. I believe it's going to happen. If we're going to have a number one contendership for the Universal title, I think we should have one for the WWE title as well. And I don't see any reason why you wouldn't go back to that match that was contested for the very first Universal Championship, Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor in a number one contendership on Saturday night. Now, I, I read you these two matches together because I believe all four of these guys are interchangeable. Obviously, we don't want Edge and Rollins again. We've already seen it. But if we got Edge and Balor and Rollins and Styles, that would work for me just as well as the other combination. But again, Rollins-Balor, number one contendership for the WWE title, AJ Styles versus Edge in the WrestleMania moment match. 
Do we get many number one contender matches at Mania? I'm trying to think. We don't, but like, we don't usually get title versus title on a two-night Mania. We don't, we, don't, we don't generally get number one contender matches often, period, I guess, in WWE. Yeah, on pay-per-view. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I like that match. I mean, that's why I just mentioned the stipulation. Like, I could, I could see him doing it just without the stipulation. So, you know, we got we got the we had that one Miz Rollins Balor triple threat back at uh, WrestleMania 36 that opened up the hmm. show. That was a really fun match. Um, I, I like that idea. Yeah, cool. So those are the two men's big singles matches. Uh, let's go to the women for a little bit. The first I have pretty unique booking. Okay, we got a lot of women. And we have both title matches already set. And there's basically no women's tag teams, right? So I'm, I'm taking the women's tag team titles, not even considering them. What I am doing is booking an eight-woman tag team match. Asuka, who would return and make a surprise return at the show. Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan, and Alexa Bliss versus Naomi, Shayna Baszler, Shotzi, and Zia Lee. Now, you could replace Asuka with Dewdrop. That's fine. Um, if you don't want her to debut, you want, you want her to come back on Raw on Monday, that's fine. But four women from Raw against four women from SmackDown. Here's the stipulation. The winning team will compete in a fatal four-way match on their next show, so the Raw after Mania or the SmackDown after Mania, with the winner becoming the number one contender for that show's women's championship. So both, all, both teams have reasons to work together, and you have a reasonable build to make this match important for WrestleMania. So, but it's again, once again, you're kind of doing number one contender type stuff. Yes. Uh, well, no, this is a, this is a four on four match. Then there's the winner gets to compete in a number one contender match on their show the following week. Right. Um, yeah, that's fine. I, I don't, I don't hate it. Like I, I, I'm like torn between like, you're right. You're booking the damn territory. I like the idea. I love all these, like there are stakes and you move on if you win type stuff. I'm just so my brain is such that we so rarely see that. I, I well, keep, I'm, I it's, it's me booking like the show. That. It's it's the I Silver know, King know, having the card and and trying to like it's 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 WWE saying, hey, you know what? Our creative department, we fired everyone. Adam, you're in charge now to WrestleMania. Yeah. And here's what's already been put into place. I, I would yeah. I would I would have Dewdrop for the reason you mentioned the the Oscar save Oscar for Raw. Yeah. yeah, that would work too. Uh, and uh, and Dewdrop, Dewdrop's got to be somewhere because she's awesome. Couple matches involving legends. Yes, I'm putting part timers on the show, but there's a reason why. Sasha Banks and Bailey versus Lita and Trish Stratus. We've seen what Lita can do. Dream. Talk about a dream match. Uh, this is a dream match, straight up. Yeah, this is what I'm really hoping. What happens? I know. I'd rather have this than singles matches. Just put the four of them together. Celebrate the past, the present, and the future. People will go nuts for that match. You don't even need to sell it all that much. Just tell us those four people and everybody will be all in. And then we need to remember, of course, that this is the Silver King booking the damn territory. So I'm bringing a legend back, Chris, and I'm going to shock you with who I'm bringing back. Goldberg. You know why? Do you know why I'm bringing back Goldberg? Here's why. He's going to, I think I know. I'm putting two big meaty men bumping meat at WrestleMania. Goldberg versus Big E in the Big E dream match. He gets it on this WrestleMania and he beats Goldberg. I'm going to tell you, I'm booking it. He beats Goldberg as well. There you go. I love it. And Big E needs something right now because he's kind of been doing nothing. The, The New Day's not even in the tag team bit. Xavier's hurt. 
yes, I Biggie deserves this after the way he was treated after the way he was booked as champion. Give give us Bobby versus Goldberg. We just had Goldberg. He doesn't need to work out and get in shape. He's in shape. You know, put him to put him out there. Give him five minutes. You know, let some big meaty dreams come true. So three more matches left because I said it was fourteen. Uh, I'm recognizing here that Sami Zayn is the new Intercontinental Champion. I'm also operating under the assumption that Johnny Knoxville has to be involved at WrestleMania. Therefore, I have two options, and it can go either way. Sami Zayn versus Ricochet with Johnny Knoxville in his corner. Guess what? Johnny can talk on the mic. And Ricochet, because he's kind of a daredevil superhero type of dude, he does things that are jack- can do things that are a little bit jackass style. So you put those guys together in, in a no rules match, Sammy versus Ricochet. That, that allows no Johnny to get, that to get involved, possibly do some stunt-esque things. Or if not Ricochet Cesaro, but I'm really, Ricochet's my idea here for the Intercontinental title. I uh, I, I like it. I, I would I would include Cesaro, include a couple more people, maybe just make it a, a fatal four-way, let Cesaro throw Ricochet around and do some things. Uh, I, I, I don't hate it. I know you're a big Ricochet guy. Uh, but uh, I, I don't hate it. I like I'm it. doing it because of the style and how it fits with Knoxville. Also, he just beat Sheamus on TV. So I'm thinking, again, I, I'm not getting my hopes up. I don't think they're pushing Ricochet. But he just got a win, and he's gotten a couple wins recently. So it kind of feels like, hey, maybe they could be headed in that direction. Two more matches left. Raw Tag Team Championship Alpha Academy versus RK Bro versus Street Profits in a triple threat. Very simple. Yes, like it. I, I like all those teams. I like them together. Could be a lot of fun. And the last one would be very easy. The Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, including the rest of the men's superstars, along with a lot of people from NXT as well, giving them some shine on WrestleMania. I think I think they need to get back to doing the men's and women's battle royals, have them as the kickoff shows on both nights. I, I, I really, You'd have to I, do I, that I over just, the eight-woman match then that I, that I booked. Well, that's true. I, I guess that that's the other part is that they don't. Maybe they don't have the numbers they to don't. quite do it yeah. the way they they used to. But like when when at WrestleMania 36 that you and I separately went to, um, that was fun. That mm-hmm. was when that was when Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy teamed up, and uh, who won the other one? It was like Nikki and Bree were in the final against somebody. I don't remember who who won it, but I remember it like being pretty fun. It's like a good, it's like a good appetizer to to start the show. I, you know, they 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 are kind of on and off if, if whether or not they do it. it Started to seem like a big deal, then it wasn't. But I think they should open with battle royals if if they have the. Well, numbers. you have two nights. You can do one each night. But again, that's just right. that's just my concern. It's just there's not enough women. And if right. you do one, unless you do it the first night and then put some of the women in another match the second night, then you have all these names: Naomi, Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan, Alexa Bliss, who are not getting on TV or not getting on the yes. WrestleMania card, and that would obviously be a disappointment. But with that, that's my card. That's 14 matches. The U.S. Championship, I'd leave off. The SmackDown Tag Team titles, I would defend both of those championships, the U.S. and the SmackDown Tag, on the go-home shows. So there's a big match on the final show ahead of WrestleMania. Women's Tag Team titles, you know what I would do with those? I'd put them on stand and deliver in a triple threat unification match. That We get the NXT ones and the WWE ones. We combine them back into one set of belts. That's my booking. That's the Silver King booking the damn territory. For WrestleMania 38, Chris, uh, give me a grade for that, and I'll let you guys, the listeners, tell me what you think. You can tweet us uh, what you think of my uh, WrestleMania card. I, I think that's a solid A minus card. It, it, at least it, it all makes sense based on what's going on. It's it's a lot of people we want to see together. Uh, I 
it, it adds something to the Drew Happy Corbin stuff that we don't really want to see. Um, and I don't, there's nothing on that card that I wouldn't be looking forward to. Like, and it again goes through, like, they can put together a really good show if, if they want to. The, the, these pieces are set. It's just sometimes they kind of get too convoluted. They, they can't get out of their own way. And they, they, they try too hard and make things kind of weird. Yeah. But those 14 matches you laid out, they all make sense. They're all interesting and exciting. And I would, I think everybody would be excited yeah. for a card like that. And I just, my, my point in doing that is I just felt like it was a WrestleMania caliber card by doing it that yeah. way. And my concern right now, the way things are being booked, it just, it doesn't feel like it. Like the first three matches, there's no doubt that they're all big and worthy of being on WrestleMania, but everything else has been treated as so secondary that it doesn't mm-hmm. feel as big. I think by booking this stuff this way, all of a sudden you have multiple matches on each night that you're really looking forward to seeing. I don't know. And I'm not, I'm not trying to bury Horowitz myself and pat myself on the back. I don't know if the WrestleMania 38 card is going to be a shred as good as what I just read to you. I really don't know. I, I don't either. I've been uh, pessimistic about it. Um, but it, it again, like it just it shows you like that they can get it right and they have time to get it right. They do. Most of this, most of the stuff, we don't know where anybody's going. We don't know what Sami Zayn's doing. They've got five and a half weeks to, to do it. So. Um, Honestly, you reading off that card made me hopeful that, that they can still put something together pretty good. Well, hey, we got plenty of time to find out uh, what WWE is going to do on this road to WrestleMania 38. And we will discuss that next on this podcast one week from now on Tuesday in our next WWE episode. Between now and then, Chris, we will be back on Thursday to talk all things AEW and NXT. Pretty significant NXT card actually coming up on Tuesday while AEW continues to build towards Revolution, which is coming up sooner than later. I believe it's uh, two weekends away uh, from this show. So next week, most likely, looks like we're going to have the ultimate preview for Revolution and the instant analysis. My point, there's a ton of great professional wrestling audio coming your way from the Getting Over universe. Here's how you can make sure you don't miss any of it. Head on over to Twitter. Give us a follow at Getting Overcast. Also, now that you're done listening to today's show, please do not forget that Getting Over. So head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating on Apple. Also leave a review. And please let people know how much you love the show why they should listen those ratings those reviews are so important to helping us grow our subscriber base we we hit new records every single month but you guys helping promote the podcast retweeting us telling your friends and family leaving those five star ratings it is so damn important so please keep doing that as i said we will see you on thursday talking aew and nxt Once again, next Tuesday to talk AEW, but at this point, the Silver King is just going to leave you with three final words. Bye for now.